Gaming and BS, episode 32, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character folio. Welcome to Gaming and BS, where Brett and I talk about gaming and geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. So, Brett, mm-hmm. what's going on? Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The uh, weather finally turned. Sean and I were able to get out last Friday. We had to uh, post up a quick little snippet on the Google Plus community there. We had enough of work for the day. said, fuck it, let's go for a ride. He and I had both ridden bikes to work that day, so we hopped on the motorcycles and uh, went for a short spin. It was fun. Yeah. Nice weather. I'm afraid of a drought because I'm afraid of a drought because I will be like, oh, a drought. Awesome. I can ride my motorcycle all the time and not worried about getting poured on. And it's awesome. And I can ride it all the time. And it's great weather. But then nobody has water to drink and plants <laughs> yeah. that will grow and food will go up. And then yeah. I, there's this really just, weird conundrum. Just so you and I can ride motorcycle all the time seems a tad bit selfish. It does, doesn't it? That's why I bought rain gear, right? So I'm good if it rains. I should probably get some. You totally should. All right. Hey, no announcements. Well, we do have we do have an update from the game hole. We do. Update from the game hole. All right. So update from the game hole. Uh, you want to get into this? Yeah. I was looking on um, Alex Cameron and the guys. Um, their Facebook page is super active. And just kind of seeing what's going over there and checking things out, staying on top of stuff. They've got more special guests they've added. Um, this would be maybe this will get um, our buddy Phil Vecchione will uh, make the trip because Merle Rasmussen, the original author and creator of Top Secret, is going to be in house at Gamehold this year, which is awesome. And I want to say I think he, I think, and I'm not, I'm not sure, and I haven't confirmed it with Alex. But I think what happened was we recorded, or I went to GaryCon, and I took a picture of Merle, and I also went to GameholeCon last year and took a picture with me and Merle and had my top secret signed, Mm -hmm. and I posted that recently. And then when I talked to Phil, Phil really wanted a picture. You know, He's like, oh, I love Merle, and I love top secret, going back to his childhood. And then, weird enough... He was booked for Game Hole 2015. <gasps> Neat. I'm just saying. The stars are aligning. The stars are aligning. The crew from Buffalo I, are going to make the trip. I can see it happening. I'll have to confirm with Alex whether he booked Merle just so that he could get Phil Vecchione to Madison, Wisconsin for Game Hole 2015. I don't know. It could be. I would do it. I don't know. I just put it out there. <laughs> We also have um, Robert Schwalb, who just completed his uh, his big Kickstarter, Shadow of the Demon Lord. He'll be there. Dave McGarry, the designer of the iconic dungeon board game. And um, what's this uh, rumor you've got so out here? What's Alex, going on? Alex gave me an email, and he said, well, so he, he mentioned Merle, Robert, and Dave coming. And then he said, there is a rumor. Uh, he could said it's rumor right now, but there may be the Artemis Star Trek Bridge Simulator going on there. I'm not even that big of a track yet, but that I've, I know enough about it that that sounds wicked. Fucking so cool. I know all of our listeners know what Artemis is. And since Brett does not, I will help educate Brett and not our Thank listeners. You. So uh, I don't know who came up with it, Brett, but 
It's a computer game, uh, obviously, a Star Trek bridge simulator. So what happens, and I don't know the intricacies, but Artemis, you create different stations of a starship, and you interact with those stations either, I don't know if I thought they actually implemented an iPad version, or it used to be Star uh, Star Wars, Star, oh my God, it used to be computer-based. So you would have five computers, and each computer would So someone oversee. is Sulu, someone's this person, someone's, you know, check off that whole bit. You've got your station, and you're working it. That's exactly it. And then the server, you know, then you have the captain who kind of says, uh, you know, Warp Make it fact- so and the other cool things. Warp Factor 2, you know, uh, Attack Pattern Delta, Science Officer, I need a scan on those on that ship. And all that stuff is done. And so I talked to Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's a guy I game with, um, and Brett has met, and some of yes. you might have met at Game Hole. Um, Jimmy's a big Star Trek guy. He runs Star Trek RPG. He likes Attack Wing, which is the Star Trek miniatures, equivalent to Star- the Star Wars miniatures. And I brought it to him and Josh, who's another guy I game with. They're kind of we're all tech heads. And I told him, I was like, dude, you guys should totally run Artemis. I bet you I could get Alex to support it. And then we were like, Yeah, we should. And I said, you know, whatever, we can work out logistics. He's like, Oh, they're like, Well, we probably have enough computers between the two of us to make it all happen. And then we were talking about if you sign up for the event, they would have T shirts made in the in the form of a Star Trek original series T-shirt, like red shirts and that, and that would be cool. In that order, would be cool. in order to take part in the show or into the game, uh, you would have to put on one of these T-shirts. Nice, and then that could be cool. And then you take pictures, and yeah, so that could be fun. So it's rumor right now, but it, this could happen. I don't think Josh and Jimmy are behind it, but rumor is I don't know. Maybe they they went to Alex and and pitched it, but I think Alex is, I don't he might not have, he might have another source, uh, for, for Artemis, but I think that would be pretty cool. I did talk to him about getting him in contact with a couple buddies that I know that are in the 501st, um, which is the star Wars, um, costuming, um, track 501st star Wars. Yeah. 501st okay. Legion. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. We, we, you went from track to wars on me there. I got, I lost it. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Well, I told Alex, I said, Hey, I don't know if you're interested, but I might be able to get you in touch with some 501st guys. Now uh, I say that to Alex because they have the kind of the opening to the game, to the con is like this big uh, kind of hall, right? Like when mm-hmm. you, like even just when you walk into Gen Con, there's like this big opening. And I know that we had mentioned where he wants to get, different types of things in that hall, um, like entertainment wise. So he's looking into, uh, people that play music and all this other stuff. So I thought, well, if you had some people from the five of first kind of marching around or Darth Vader greeting folks and, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, and some of the people at Gen Con that actually man the doors are dressed up in star Wars garb. Sweet. But uh, I don't know. We'll see about that. But otherwise, that's all. So that's an update from the game hole, which is November 5, 6, and 7 of this year. If you can make it, it will be a blast. Um, we will be there. And if, if any, I mean, Brett and I can guarantee it will be a blast if you come because we will inflict the blast upon you. If needed, if needed, if there is no blast occurring, there will be a blast. We will bring a blast if that's necessary. Right. Yep. Un- uncan the blast. We will make it happen. At least two cans of blast. At least two cans of blats or blast, whatever. Blats, whatever. blats and blast. <laughs> whatever. It could it be blasts that derive from blats. Blats, which, oof. 
And I've if, had that. It's not as good. As, it's as bad as it sounds. Yeah. All right. We're done with that. Yeah, we're done. Uh, random encounter. It's been pretty quiet. I don't know. You guys probably didn't like our bard episode. What's up out there? Uh, bards. It's there for role play. I felt good. We got some, we got some good feedback from the misdirected Mark guys. Uh, Phil and Chris gave us some props for taking it in a slightly different direction than they had. So that was fun. It was a cool little um, challenge, if you will. So it was it was fun for us. We had a good time with it. So. Hope you guys enjoyed it. For those taking part in this episode for on the drinking side of things, um, and you're not driving and you're not at work, we will denote the uh, word player. When you hear the word player, take a drink. There you go. All right. Let's move on. Uh, just a word from our sponsor. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website grayedout, that's G R E Y E D O U T dot Etsy dot com. All right, so Brett is in charge of the topics. Brett, what have you decided on this week? Well, as I've been, uh, I've talked about a couple times now, I'm on break from my game mastering duties, and I was sitting back the other day. In a, uh, <clears throat> like actually, oh, I did post this on Google Plus where I was sitting in a chair looking at my collection have my ipad in front of me sorting through different uh, pdf rules versions i have and trying to figure out what's my next thing what am i going to do next do i run another gumshoe game do i go to uh the world of darkness do i do that basic role-playing thing that was so much fun and then i thought apart from you know first world problems as my kids would say um and also it's one of those in corporate parlance that's a good problem to have when you got so many choices and that led me to think what is all that stuff that I've wanted to do that I've always had some excuse to not do, right? <clears throat> I kept thinking, you know what? My buddy Lenny, Lenny ran a uh, superhero game. It was kind of a low street level, if you will, Daredevil-y type thing. So with Daredevil being out, I had that in my head thinking, hey, maybe that could be a fun game. Ah, maybe, uh, maybe not. How about, you know, Sean and I talked about a Cold War or a more of a Wilderness of Mirrors slash Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy type of uh, spy game. You know, maybe I should do that. And some of the thoughts that kept popping in my head, I'm like, you know, I've been wanting to do X for a very long time. What the hell is stopping me? Why am I not doing it? And I thought, you know, Sean, this is, again, one of those lunch topics we've had before. We'll say, hey, you know what I should do? I should run a game that looks like X. And we go, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. And but we both know we're probably not going to do the thing that we just said. And I'm kind of curious as to why are we, why aren't we doing it? What what aren't we doing? And why? That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Because we're scared. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think that that could be a piece of it. In so far as the last thing you want to do is get experimental and have it be a colossal flop, right? You know, it's funny you say that because you you read my mind, dude. It's a thing I do. It's crazy. But having, it's the uh, motorcycle game RPG mind meld thing we've got going on. I transfer my thoughts via my helmet to your <laughs> brain. Uh, but in all, all sincerity, you know, I think about games 
in my brain and how I want to run them and what they're what they look like in my brain. And I think to myself, that's a good place for them because then they sound cool. <laughs> I don't know. But if, if I, I run them, this, would they just eat it and spit it out and say, you suck? <laughs> well, if I run them and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's then, oh, what? That didn't live up to the hype in my head. It totally sucked. Wow. It's like going to the movie after a really kick-ass trailer and going, that movie blows. Oh, my God. It's a Michael Bay thing. Son of a bitch. I got, tra-, you know. Yeah. So there is something to be said about the, you know, I think about it in my brain. It would be really cool. So, for example, the zombie game who my buddy Steve picked up recently, Zombie the Apocalypse by Fantasy Flight Games. When I read mm. it, I'm like, oh, this would be a really cool game to run. You get a really tight-knit group of guys or gals or guys and gals. This is the one where you make yourself, You right? make yourself, and then the zombie apocalypse begins with where everybody's sitting. And I'm like, this would be kind of cool because I'm a Walking Dead fan, and then I think to myself, it's not going to, it won't be any good. It sounds cooler than I think it'll actually execute. That's mm. why I keep reading rule books yeah. and then going, I will just listen to actual plays and wait to play in a game. Hmm. I don't know, dude. I'm just spitballing here. I have no idea. No, no, no. What it's goofy. It, no, it's goofy because, and part of this comes down to again, if I drag it back to how I started game mastering in the style or format that I do, is that no one I knew in the group I was with and the people who were running games for me at, when I was a player all the time. We're doing it the way I wanted it done. I thought this would this encounter would have been cooler if X would have happened, if this backstory would have been there, or they would have kept the pace going faster or whatever the case is. <clears throat> um, my buddy Eric went to Gen Con one year, and he witnessed them. This guy was running a table, and his partner was running the music off uh, cassette tapes back in the day, kind of flipping back and forth and playing music at different times. And whenever an initiative would come up, the dude who was running, and I, Eric never knew who it was, but the guy would go, what, what do you want to do? Well, I too late next. And he would come, you know, just blowing by people making combat, this rock em, sock em, super fast thing. And I'm like, man, that would be really fun to do. And Eric said, yeah, but uh, none of the group will want to do that. And I said, well, I guess. And then it kind of died until I started running for a different group, a totally different group of people. When I started playing Vampire. I thought, who fucking cares? If these eight folks hate me, this is my first game. I'm just going to run it kind of as a demo for this group. Let's see what happens. So I ran them that way. What combat was, boom, what do you do? Well, geez, I don't, let me look up. Okay, fine. I'll get back to you if we have time. And then, boom, I moved on to the next person. And everything was just crazy fast like that. I took that piece and implemented it. <coughs> Excuse me. And it worked. It was great. The team loved it. It was good. And they had never seen me do anything other than that before. So I tried that brand new DM trick or that new... Uh, I guess, story tool or whatever it was. No one had any preconceived notion of, well, that's not how we've always played here. I don't understand why you're changing up our format, you know? And I mean, I've said this before. My group is really open to different ideas. So if I were to come up and say, hey, I want to run this game where we're all, yeah, I could run Bunnies and Burrows. I could try it. And they would get into it for a little bit. And depending on how it played, they may or may not want to keep doing it. But I, I think they give it a shot. But part of me now, when I look at it, I say, well, would I really want to do something just to be on the edge or stretch myself or challenge myself when I only have the opportunity to game 
X number of times a year or a month, why quote unquote waste the session with this experiment with my group that may completely fall on its face? Time is very precious. Why not run something that I know everyone will enjoy? So that is one of the things that stops me from going too crazy in certain directions or even with certain games I have. I'm like, you know what? I really like to run Pendragon. I just don't know how well it would go over. So I'm like, you know what? I only have so many hours in the day to game. I don't, no, I'm not going to waste my time doing it. I'm going to find something else that I know or I'm in that 90th percentile know is going to go over well. So I think what you're saying, and I, um, I don't think it's maybe the games that we are considering running but never do, but maybe it's the games that always are familiar. We know how to run them. It's going to be fun. Um, we like the system. We know the setting. So maybe it's, it's comfortable. It's comfortable. It's familiarity. And um, so maybe it's not so much why aren't we playing some of the cooler games that we talk about we want to play or run as much as it is, well, shit, man, I could just throw Pathfinder down and let's make this you know, roll with it or insert game title here because we run Savage Worlds all the time. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you and I chatted about this uh, last week in uh, lunch at one point, and I'd said, you know, there is a – my players and I, when I am a player, it's easier for me to change things up. I can say, you know what? I haven't played a female character in a while. Boom, I'm going to be a female character, and she's going to be like this. You know what? I haven't played a complete introverted bookworm in this environment before. Boom, I'm going to try that. As a player, I can make these characters – that are um, very different, whatever the case is, um, to me, easier than from a Game Master perspective, bringing an entirely different take on whatever it is. <clears throat> so, for example, if you're playing fantasy, 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 and that's what you like, it's always uh, D20 stuff, Pathfinder, D&D, whatever variation on that theme, and then you say, well, we're going to go to Dungeon Crawl Classics. It's kind of in the same vein, similar dice, okay, Sort of there. But if you were to stop that and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play GURPS. Clunk. It's a different feel. It's a different, totally different mechanic. It's 3D6. The system is, in Brett's opinion anyway, drastically different than a D&D system. Where I were to say, you know what? Throw that out. It's fate in a fantasy setting. Right? So then my team is going to be like, well, uh, okay, maybe sort of. And this, again, could be Brett's hang-up and that I'm worried about not being able to execute on this cool idea in my head, as we talked about earlier. But I think as the game master, I want to make sure my job is partly to make sure everyone's entertained, the story's going, we're all having a good time, everything's working. And if I go too crazy and change things up in a way that is only, I don't know, theoretical, I feel like I am might be wrecking the evening for everybody if I do something that totally bombs. I th- so I think your first sentence of fear, I think that's really the thing that holds me back. Don't be scared. Just being afraid of wrecking it. Being Don't be scared. Is that what you're saying? Being scared. Scares. I'm totally scared. Scares I'm me. Totally scared. I'm a scared. I'm a scared. So le- do you have a game or an idea for a game that you want to, that you have wanted to do or would like to do, but you're not or you can't foresee yourself pulling the trigger on? No. Really? No, I'm just kidding. 
I, so I get burned out on fantasy. It's, it's, it just, it happens. I play in it, I run it. And then I'm like, I don't want to play anything D and I don't want to play anything Pathfinder. I don't want to play no Dungeon more orcs, World. no more goblins. I don't want orcs or goblins. And the funny thing is, is anything that you do, genre wise, can really kind of take place in a fantasy game. Let me explain. So if I say, oh, I want to run an espionage game, you can run an espionage game in a fantasy setting. We don't absolutely. A lot of people don't. I say a majority. Well, Shadowrun. I mean, to me, Shadowrun on a very large scale proved that. It's fantasy with sci-fi pieces tacked onto it. There's orcs and elves and dragons, dude. Yeah, I. You know, I'm. I was always on the fence with Shadowrun, which is something to debate. But yeah, I can can throw that out. But anyway, I get what you're saying. I can do a lot of the different um, story types. I can do a murder mystery. I can do a. A, a evil occult thing. I could do all that stuff in a fan, in a D and D game. Yeah, I can. Yeah, which is probably one that draws. Uh, yep. So I um. So after I get done with the Lost Mine of Fandelver, which will probably be like three years from now, and that's no fault to the players. I know if Kevin listens, Kevin and Jim, um, it, it's not their fault. It's so you blame Austin? Austin listens too, but you didn't name I, him. You Austin, blame Austin. Right. Austin does. Dick. Yeah. God. So it's, so it's, anyway, all, no, it's no. all Austin's fault. <laughs> Austin. Get to move that party along, dude. Anyways. But so I when you're done with it, when I'm done with do? it, I don't know what I want to do. I'm reading Night's Black Agents right now. And I listened to something, well, I'll go into in die roll. But um, I like it. I've always wanted to run a good espionage game with some very cool, some some very cool concepts, some back, you know, I don't know. I've got a lot of stuff running in my brain when it comes, to, okay, all right, here's the deal. Sean needs to get a hold of himself right now or he's going to go crazy. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, dude, what is his problem? This is where it gets fun. Watch this. <laughs> I'm going to poke it one more time. Hang on. Jesus. Stab. <laughs> Sean, take another pull uh, of your drink. So I uh, I read headlines, right? And I think to my I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Okay, I just want to put that out there. I don't, you know, I think they're kind of cool. I don't think we've been to the moon. Nine one one was an inside job, and so was the Death Star. Okay. Now, having said that, there's a lot of cool things that are out there that you could implement into a game, like even just like today's headlines, right? If you just take today's headlines or yesterday's headlines and you tweak them just a little bit, they can make a really cool plot device. And Plus, I look, I mean, I, that's what, that's where Google plus and those things come in so handy people. I mean, you, you go on to follow a suppressed transmission right. group I'm on, there. on Google plus. Yeah. yeah. So am I, and all this cool shit. Like there is a, who, Wayne Humphrey posted a thing about a nuclear, <laughs> a nuclear, um, Aircraft carrier or something? Yeah, was yeah. Found. It was sunk. Hey, it was we found lost off, that. Yeah, it was off the coast of California. And I'm like, oh, that's where I left it. Time to go and find out what's down there. Anyways, so what I was getting at is that there are, I mean, Elon Musk, right? Great guy, very forward thinking, very real life character, runs Tesla Motors and SpaceX. Mm-hmm. Would make an awesome evil guy. 
Okay. Because he has he has the public limelight where everybody thinks he's great. But what if his ultimate goal really isn't to build the electric car, but to source some goofy power that's a Tesla death ray that sur- tes- surges through the earth and kills people, right? <laughs> Something like that. Or it says Tesla on the space, side of the building. SpaceX. He's already been into space, right? Yeah. He's making all that happen, but it's outside the boundaries of what the intelligence community knows or the governments know. So what happens if Elon Musk actually makes it to the moon? What if he so starts a county there? Why wouldn't you want to do that, though? I mean, uh, Because any- I just, there's my plot point. Now nobody will play my game. They already know. <laughs> I just gave it all away. But seriously, though, I mean, if you had that idea, Top Secret could do it. Um, Spycraft. Taking that. I mean, is there. What makes you not want to do that? Nobody wants to play with me, Brett. Nobody wants. Well, I mean, we, that's a different episode. We don't know that kind of time. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I have a really good idea. I kind of. I'll run a game and it'll really be great. Please. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, so why don't I group, run it? Is it, the, is it a group that's holding you back, Sean? Is it your players? No. Well, no. well, I'm running a game right now, and I can't just be like, hey, dudes, this game sucks. Um, we're going to drop it, and we're going to play something else. Sure I mean, I, I could. I don't want to do that to them. I wanna, and it doesn't suck. I, I don't want to convey that message. Um, but eventually, whatever. Now, in Doc's game, he's running D&D, so I don't want to interrupt with the new shiny. So that's eventually he will say, Hey, I see, you know, six more sessions of this and then I want to, then whatever, I want to give up the chair and whatever we play. So time, you're looking at a timing question like, Hey, I want, I'd love to run this thing. If the timing is there and I do a little elevator pitch to the crew and they say, yeah, that sounds sexy. I'm in. Then you could go for it. Well, right. Yes. So once everything is cleared off everybody's schedule and we're not in the middle of a game, I would, I would make a pitch. Now, having said that, one thing that does keep me kind of holds me back is while not everybody owns Knights Black Agents, not everybody owns Spycraft. Now, do they need to? Well, no, not necessarily, but it sure makes creating a character a lot easier. I'll or, tell you that's that's a piece that I think through as well is that when I do change game systems, and the guys will tell me, "Look, that's just part of being a gamer. If you choose to run a game that we don't have the books, it's on us to either buy it or not. Don't worry about our pocketbook. That's our problem." Well, that's your How, group. That's your group, right? Yeah, but yeah, I, I see still look Brett's at it. group is awesome. Like, well, it is. It's more awesomer than yours, Sean. Which oh, is weird because I think those are fight words. <laughs> come to come to Game Hole 2015, and we'll settle this once for all. I will get all <laughs> my game group against Brett's game group. <laughs> throw down 2015 anyway though i i still though if i were to run a game for i were gonna say sean you and doc and some other guys have you know whoever you can pull in give me six guys i'm gonna run this game you're like oh i've never played you know i'm gonna run a gurps game i don't own gurps well that's okay i've got you covered there's a certain point though as a gamer if you're playing it you're like wow this is this seems to be a lot of fun but i think i'm missing boy if i only had this book to reference or I only have this rule set or whatever whatever it is so I do feel if I bring a game to the group that they don't have access to or that I mean readily available insofar as that they already own the rules or are prepared to buy it that slows me down and stops me conceivably from saying hey you know what I'm going to run Rollmaster I don't know a lot of people who have it apart from my buddy Zave <laughs> it's like right. Zave and Brett have Rollmaster and Merp that's it I, I happen to have multiple copies of yeah. it because of this problem 
But otherwise, that does slow me down. I do think that does come into play. And I think as we talk and we bring up these points, they just compound each other. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, I'm not going to run it. Because maybe the players don't want to play, right? Then it's a scheduling thing. Like, oh, we're in the middle of a game. I don't want to start it now. Then it's nobody has the rule book. And then it's maybe the feel of the game. We start out one session. It doesn't go all that well. Everybody buys the rule book, and now they're pissed off because you made them buy the rule book and now they, it's not that great a game. I don't know. I got 40, 50 bucks on this game and it sucks ass. It really, seriously, dude, we just played. Fuck. Great. Now I have a paperweight. Good now, job. Now, having said that, I have contemplated doing like a one shot or a three game series. And I think that that may be a very viable uh, avenue, which I'll get into die roll. Huh. Well, that goes back to our that goes back to our campaigns topic. What ah. to episode twenty nine? I think it was. Um, if it's not episode twenty nine, just keep listening. Um, That's right. Anyway, the start point, at one. <laughs> start at one and work your way through. Campaigns are in there somewhere. You'll come across it. Yeah, I think it might be twenty nine or thirty. But anyhow, point is, is that if you say, "Look, I'm going to run Dungeon Crawl Classics. I'm going to run it for four sessions, or approximately four, or some definitive timeline that has a beginning and an end." Then people are like, okay, cool. If they, excuse me, enjoy the hell out of it, then yeah, they went out, boom, went to Goodman Games, bought their book, went to their gaming store, picked it up, whatever the case is, great. If they didn't, they know that there's an ending to it. And they're like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't invest in that freaking turd because I hate that game. Okay, great. You hated it. You didn't spend the money. Good. But three more of you did like it. They bought it. Good. You know, then off you go. And people don't feel the need perhaps to get the financial investment as opposed to just the time investment. Right. So I would, so that's, that's fair. So I would make up the characters, explain the game, the backdrop, put them out on the table as if I was running at a con. We'd go through first session, then do second session, third session, done. And then it's done. It's finished. And, you think of and, the then game, if they, and then if they go, rah, rah, I love this thing. Then it's up to them. I want to do it again. It. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to do it again. I'm going to go by the rules. Let's all do this again. Okay. I mean, I there, see that. there are very few times that I buy three $50 books. Of the same thing? I wish I was Alex Cammer. <laughs> that guy. He does. When he puts yeah, in, well, like a new game, D&D 5e comes out, he, he puts order three PHBs. And he doesn't have any kids that role play right now. Now, I know other people that buy three PHBs because they have like them, their son, and maybe I've started. Another, yeah, I've started doing it. Where this is one of the reasons why a couple of my kids, as we've said earlier, that if you're in Brett's family, you get an iPad. That's just part of the that's part of the cost of being in the family. Um, but I get PDFs of rule books, like when I was running Osric for my boys, or if they wanted to have play first edition rule books, whatever it is, I have PDFs of a number of these things. So I make sure that they have it on their iPads that they can reference. I have my hardcovers. I actually have a couple duplicates that I pick up periodically. Which is the some of the attraction to dead games, right? When you play a game that's no longer produced, it's as long as there's a PDF copy of it out there or whatever it is, you can get multiple copies fairly cheap sometimes, not quite as bad. So I have a question just on this is off the topic, but does your kids care whether do they find anything novel with the printed copy? Or yeah, they like it. They do. They like the printed They do like copy. it. They Absolutely. Do, yeah. Over the PDF. Yes. So the it's not a like generational the, thing. Is what at I'm least getting. not for me anyway. My son, my oldest boy is 16. I'm my youngest one, uh, just turned nine. So 
They like the hardcover because one, I think part of it is dad reads this one. So this is really cool. This is dad's book. So I think oh. there's some of that. Oh. The other piece though is to be able to flip through the pages, just the tactile, hey, looking at this, flip, put your finger on one page, flip it to the other, go back and reference. You have that immediate access as opposed as opposed to how some of the ebooks work and so forth, which is the same complaint a lot of people have about ebooks in general. They, when you do have a hard copy versus the PDF, they'll grab the hard copy every time. Yeah, which is my preference as well. <clears throat> I, I do think though that there are certain. So the if I take game systems and push them out. And say, okay, I, I know why I'm not running Pendragon because not everyone has a copy of first edition Pendragon like I do. I, I get it. Nobody else wants in my group has that. They'd be happy to play it. If I ran a short campaign, sure, that solves that problem. I don't know now, if I, I don't know if it's I don't know if I'd be interested in Pendragon. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe maybe we're missing it. Maybe, what's the pitch? Hey man, Pendragon dude, it'd be really cool. King Arthur. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of, sort of. Feels like D and D. Why can't we do that with D and D? Right. <laughs> because <laughs> Pendragon has this really cool like life the chivalry man and stuff and well I think it has a life thing right so you you run it in year like years or decades no it's it's really it's I god it's been forever since I've read it but it has a different take and a different feel and so on so but if I take like I said push the system aside there are story concepts like one of them I've been in my head, I've had this for a while, is a mashup of kind of Constantine, the comic book, and the Hellboy uh, Bureau for Paranormal Research and De- Defense comic book, smashing the two together and making some kind of a occult investigative, very episodic, like, hey, this one, you're dealing with this, you know, a bunch of deaths in this town. You show up, it's a troll witch who's doing something. You show up in the next town, oh my God, it's fucking vampires. You show up over here, it's this other thing. And it's kind of a X file type of event. Yeah, Sean's giving me a great face there. That's that's nice. Thank you. <sighs> but the reason I don't pull that one out isn't so much that I don't think the group can do it or I can't find a system. I worry that I can't ge- do it justice. I think this goes back to our, you know, kind of scared slash fear of like, man, I've got this great thing in my head. I'm like, man, this could really be a lot of fun. But if I throw it out there and I fail to execute appropriately – I completely fucked it up. So I'm going to just stash that in my brain, make some notes if I write them down, wherever it is. I'm going to keep that aside until it's ready, whenever the fuck ready happens to be. But I don't run that. I've had that idea for a number of years now on how to execute it. I just keep bouncing it back and forth because I don't, it doesn't feel ready. And I think it's because I'm afraid the guys aren't going to like it. That's a nice face, Sean. Thank you. So do you apart? Do you have any story ideas? Like, have you ever said, you know, what, I really want to run a superheroes game, but I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, yeah, I do on occasion. Super's kind of, eh, I'm, I'm I'm not a comics book comic book guy, so uh, that would, you know, my luck. I'd have Mister Marvel at the table reciting every freaking back issue of the Avengers and how I was. But then, but then would you say, well, I'll just make it in a different universe. Yeah. I'll pick this other thing and I'll use this other system. And ha ha ha, there's no Wolverine or Captain America, son of a bitch, you know. But no. I don't know. I yeah. Supers never really has appealed to me. But I know that, like I said, Doc's game, they're playing uh, Necessary Evil. But I'm just not in that game because it conflicts with my other week. The schedule. Yeah, my scheduling. 
Um, and it sounds like those guys will probably have a blast. They're using Savage Worlds for Necessary Evil. And I think it's more street level. Um, it's not, um, what is it, four, four color or whatever, or silver it's that big or, super. It's not big Superman, Aquaman, right. huge, you know, so that type of thing. Part of me would, I would try it and, and think it's great. I don't know how a long-term campaign would run. Um, I don't know. Supers kind of leaves me scratching my head because... Um, one, I haven't played in it. I've never run it. I'm not a big comic book person. Of the comics that I do read or keep in touch or watch the movies or whatever, I just think to myself, like, uh, it's always going to come down to combat. Uh, and then what happens if you get a crappy power? Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> read your mind guy, but it doesn't help when you're smashed, getting smashed in the face all the time. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Anyways, supers, meh. I don't know. And there's a few super systems out there that may be really cool. There's um, icons. Uh, there's icons. There's champions. There's the Marvel, various Marvel systems are out there. Right. Mutants, DC, DC heroes, right. mutants and masterminds. Mutants and masterminds, all that stuff. So, um, and I apologize if I haven't named off some of the best ones that are out there, but you, you get my, my. Well, gist. look at it this way then. So let's perhaps systems is a good way to come back at it. Is there a game that's on your shelf that you're not going to play? Not necessarily because of the system, but because you just thought it was a cool approach at a thing, but you don't know if anybody else will dig it. Or I mean, I own Mouse Guard. I bought Mouse Guard because I thought it'd be really cool for my kids. And I and I started reading through it. And the reason that I don't run Mouse Guard for my kids is and maybe this is just my reading of the rules, I'm like, uh, I don't think they're gonna get it. I don't think they're gonna understand the rule system. It's burning wheel, it feels way too Detailed, crunchy. I don't know if they're going to get it, so I put it back on the shelf. And instead, for whatever reason, uh, they took to AD and D, which is you know, it can be fairly rules intensive, and maybe that's just me. But I, I've never run the whole. Hey, you're a mouse, and you have a little mouse sword, and you're fighting snakes and rats and other things like that. And I don't think I would ever. It sounds interesting to me, but I don't think I'd ever pull that out even for uh, my regular group and say, hey, guess what? You're all playing mice today. I just don't think they'd get into it. That's based off a comic, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. I am looking over at my bookshelf and wondering if I can come up with something. So there are some things that I actually sold, which like Burning Wheel, which I thought would be cool, and I've never had the opportunity to play, and I sold it. Um, Castles and Crusades. Again, played maybe once at Gary Khan. I think I sold half my books. Um, I'm trying to think. There, there, there are like some Savage Worlds is weird because it's a uh, there is the game and then there's the different settings. And I have settings I don't know if I'd ever play, like Streets of Bedlam by my my buddy Jason Blair, who did Little Fears, who's from well, he lived in Madison. I don't know if he's actually from Madison, but he's. Uh, he actually works on Saints Row, and now he's in the video game industry and uh, used to work for Human Head, too. But anyways, enough of his resume. Um, but I was in on his Kickstarter, and it's very um, Frank Miller, um, what's the darn movie? Sin City. Thank you. Sin City-ish. Um, yep. and, and I But- would I play that? I don't know. I'm actually, I actually have me written up in one of his books as part of the Kickstarter. Like my, my persona is in his, in his setting, which is kind of cool. It's Sean Kelly, the Sean, the recruiter Kelly, who who basically (laughs) was an ex IRA guy 
who moved from Ireland to uh, Bedlam, um, and he can't escape his past, right? So he used to Interesting. Rec- he used to recruit for the IRA. That's why they call him the recruiter. And so he's got well, this weird dynamic. Anyways, not to go into his old product, but I don't know if I will ever play that necessarily. So now let's take it this direction because <clears throat> I was I hear this from other D and D second second edition D and D. There's my answer. Second edition D and D. You'll never play that. I don't think I'll ever play it. I have no. I don't. We didn't play a ton of it, and I don't really have a huge yearning. I played the. I played the fuck out of that game, and I. I still have. Because you're books. younger than I am, Pippin. By a lot. Wow. It's like crazy how young I am compared to you. Brett's like twenty. <laughs> yeah, the the gray in my beard and my hair is just it's just milk. He, That's what happened. He died. So. He dies it that way. I so died. It, I died so gray, get, so I can look. So I can get the older chicks. So I get the cougars looking at him. Yeah, that's right. That's how I do that. Whatever. So, folks, I hear this on other podcasts, and I've heard this from other people um, at conventions and stuff, and I've talked to different game masters and whatever. Like, I want to do this as a like a personal challenge. I want to do this to stretch myself. I really want to make sure – I want to push my game mastering skills where players are like, hey, I made this character. It was really difficult to play because I wanted to do something that was challenging. Is that – a legitimate reason that we should dust some of that shit off our shelf and pull it out of the brain case and say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm running a four color super game. I've never run one before, but I'm going to freaking do it because I want and need this challenge. Do we, Sean, do you feel the need to be challenged as a game master or a player that I should throw this huge gauntlet down and say, dude, you, you motherfucker, you're playing this game. You've never played it before and you're going to fucking do it. That's what we're doing. <laughs> You sound, it, should, you sound like we're, we <laughs> you sound like we're two guys sitting on a bar stool that are half hammered and you're like, dude, we should totally do it, man. Yeah, yeah, let's go right now. We're gonna do right it. Now, yeah. Right now. I'm gonna challenge you, man. Oh, I'm totally up for it. <laughs> and and tomorrow we ended up buying a bar for some reason. No, but seriously though, do you ever feel the need to uh t- take one of these ideas because you like, you know what, I'm feeling kind of stale or I feel like I've you know, plateaued as a game master, as a player, I, I want to do something totally different. So I'm going to, I'll, you know, pick Pendragon again, because we've been talking about it. I'm going to do Pendragon just because it'll be a challenge to me. Do you ever feel that need or that desire? No. Is that a, no? no, not, well, not because it's a challenge, not like, Oh, Brett challenged me to run this game. No, no, no I'm not, I'm not saying Brett challenges you. I mean, joking, you know, yes. throw that joke aside. I mean, oh. they were like, you know what, man, I've oh. never done this. I've never run, I don't remember the last time I've ever run an espionage game. And part of me is like, you know what? That could be that could be tough for me. That could be a challenge. Maybe I should do that just to do something new. I challenge you. I <laughs> challenge you. <laughs> right. Yes, I do get what you're saying. I do. Uh, I, I would amend my reply from second edition. I have two other, three other games that I don't, I mean, I'd like to play. I haven't played. One is Torchbearer. One is... Torchbearer, one is Eclipse Phase, and uh, Trail of Cthulhu. And obviously with those, they're kind of ranked in how badly I want to play one of those or all of three of those. And they're all good games. I mean, yeah. there's no, I mean, it's, it's not that I'm not playing them because, oh, I don't like that game or I don't like this game. I just I don't know when I would ever get around. Eclipse phase is kind of a beast, and I've heard different things like, well, once you get your head wrapped around, it's really fun, but it takes a little bit of a curve because it's really transhumanism, 
and that takes it to a whole different level of science fiction. I don't know why I'm rambling about this, but those are the kind of the three that all the rest of my games I could run, feel comfortable about doing it. I'm not doing it for whatever reason. I don't know. I honestly think the biggest thing that stops me is when when I was a kid in high school and even in college and someone had a wacky idea about let's try this weird thing. I would pull out when I played Vampire Real Heavy, we would pull out this weird like, uh, hey, let's do this crazy werewolf campaign. My buddy John, JR and I co-game mastered that game. We ran run just, just to see how it would work. So we did. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time. I would do other kind of. What at the time I thought was avant-garde or edgy, I would try different things and methods and so on. But I also had a lot of time, <laughs> you know. I don't right. seem to – and I think time is the most limiting factor. I was – and again, like I said at the very beginning, this spawned from me kind of staring at the collection and saying, what do I want to run next? Man, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, I have a limited limited amount of time to run games with my friends, you know, between family obligations and work and so on. I don't know if I'm ready to pull that that one out just yet. I put it aside. I don't think I'm shrinking from like the personal challenge or anything along those lines. I also, honestly, at this point, I don't feel like I need to be challenged. It just I want to make sure that it's fun. I want to make sure that when the guys and women I play with sit down to play with me, that some of them honestly just are is a work thing too. <clears throat> Not only just limited amount of time to play, but limited amount of time to prep. If I were to say, you know what, I'm going to run my Hellboy Constantine mashup concept. There is a fair amount of work to do it the way I want to in write up and prep. Because as we know, I'm the homebrew guy. I love to do that type of thing. And to homebrew that appropriately, the way I'd want it done, there's a lot of work I have to do to pull that together and make it function, at least from a setting perspective, make sure one understands how their characters would interact, how they work in the world, how the governments view them, blah, 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 blah. It sounds like a lot of work. I'm not ready to do that just yet. Boom, it goes back on my mental shelf. I'm just, I don't feel like I have the time to put it together. And that's the other thing. I mean, it's time, honestly. Time and the fear of it not being fun is what slows me down. I am totally with you. I don't think that is something that I would, uh, that I would rule out of my own, my own feelings, Brett, internally. I, I feel that way as well. Uh, time and I got gamer AD and D. God damn it! So what happens? Is ADD. I... <laughs> what, what I... Gamer AD and D. That's good. <laughs> I got a little of that too. God damn it! But yeah, gamer ADD. So if I start a game, it you know uh, it's boring in five sessions or something. But you know, part of me is like, I want to run a homebrew, but there's work behind that, and I gotta sit there's down, and I gotta hammer it. stuff out, and I gotta have stats, and frankly. Maybe I have to reevaluate. Maybe I could. I told you earlier in one of the sessions, again, if you don't remember this, start at one and go through until you hear this uh, listener, you fan of the show. Just keep listening. Just keep listening. If, if we know. don't get there in the first episode, just keep listening. We'll <laughs> be sorry. there eventually. We'll get, we'll get there. But one of the things I had mentioned was, um, oh, damn, I lost my train of thought. Go figure. No, it has to do with, God, blast Homebrew. it all. Homebrewing. Homebrew. There you go. Ah, jeez! Almost there. He's almost there. He's he's lost it. No, oh, it's, it's all gone. that. He's it's gone. all that aluminum in my antiperspirant making me Alzheimer's. Put that, <laughs> <laughs> what well, your advanced stage? I could see that Jesus, happening. Jesus, man. Um, no, it has to do with um. Oh, 
One of the things I mentioned to you was um, running running something ad hoc, like no prep, just making it happen. Oh, stats for the NPC? Meh, who cares? Roll some dice? Think in my brain? Yeah. Armor class? 12. That'll work. Yeah, you hit. See, oh. you got that. Come, come to my side, man. That's how I do it. Dude, That's just how I roll. yeah. Get, get step over here. It's Monster all good. Manual. It's all good over Monster here. Monster Manual, throw that shit to the wind, man. Yep, you you got this big creature in front of you. What's it look like? Um, it's got a uh, eyeball on the center of its forehead, and then it's got like claws. It shoots rainbows and unicorns at you. And just, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm gonna. Honest, I, uh, I think we could talk about. A game prep in a different in a different episode, so we'll, we can kind of stick that one for later. But I prep more world and the from a homebrew perspective, I prep the world more so that people can interact with it more than more than I do the individual adventure or session. So I don't give a fuck if I remember what a goblin's hit points or armor classes in Pathfinder from running Pathfinder. What matters more is the setting. And then I can just figure that shit out as I go. But we can talk about that another time. Yeah. It's, it's a good place to be, though. It is. So, yeah, I don't know. So why don't you, listener, fan of the show, not run that one RPG that's sitting on your shelf that stares at you daily and nightly and you in, you just you turn your back on it? Why are you not taking it off the shelf and running it as a game? Why? What is there? What do you fear? What is there? What is there fear? Oh, I'm Batman. <laughs> nice. No, serious. In all seriousness, though, I would I would be interested to know what the reasons are, if nothing else. I, I, I hate to say that. It's obviously time. Time and energy and effort, blah, blah, blah. There's probably other reasons apart from the fear of it sucking. Right, I mean, you've got to get past that at some point. People have probably got other reasons why. Like, look, I only have one group to game with, and they told me flat that they'll never fucking play a, a superheroes game ever. So all my icon stuff sits on the shelf. Or well, this group tells pre- me they'll never play. Easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some groups that I have heard of. Say, oh, my group will never play X. I've heard that from folks. I've heard that too. I've had groups. Yeah. That, oh. Yeah. Yeah, so well, you'll guys, never play I've anything. Had, I've had individual players like, I don't want to play modern. What's the point? Yeah. I, I don't want to escape. I don't want to play in the real world. Huh? Yeah, and if and if you don't have um I it's player buy in. So if you go there, if that's the key if that's the case, which I think happens quite often because again, I want to entertain, I want to have a good time with my players, and if one or two of them says, Fuck that, I'll never play that type of setting, I hate that, or I don't like that rule system, if you play that I won't play. I've heard that. So the lesson here is if it's a player drink, you just need to like punch him. Square him out. That's it. Well, I like punching him in the face over over kicking him out. Well, hopefully the punch of the face gives them the hint to leave. It gives them the hint. Yeah, my players punch back. I found that out. Oh, I'm just kidding, players. I'll never punch in the face. (laughs) There's time behind that. I can't go to prison. Not with your record, dude. Not by my, not with my size. No, I'm that, not. I'm not a. I'm not a small guy, but they would chew me up in the big house. Yeah, he's, he's not, he's not built for prison. That's All right, me. moving on. <laughs> yeah. I think we've. I think we have uh, blathered around that one, which I thought was a good topic. We wrecked it. So, all right, we'll carry on. All right, die roll. Two to four 
two to five, whatever we come up with, miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you, Brett. I've only got two this week. I um, My buddy Lenny posted a uh, link to the new Fantastic Four trailer. It looks like the full-length trailer. Um, parts of that trailer make me like, ooh, that could be interesting. But quite frankly, um, I have no hope for that film. I think it's going to suck, just so, absolutely suck ass. I believe the Fantastic Four is somebody else owns license, right? Marvel does not. I don't know if that's the case or what the deal is. That's but, why they suck. Uh, it just it feels like it's just going to be bad. They can't get it back. They got to get um, it back. God, man, how does Marvel have their intellectual property all over the place? I can't understand that. Yes, I think Sony owns Spider-Man. Yeah. Somebody else owns X-Men. Somebody else owns Fantastic Four. Fucking pull that shit together, man. They, dude, if that was the case, they would be putting out some crazy stuff. Pull it together, give it to Joss Whedon, and just walk away. That's all you need to do. <sighs> anyway, so... For, and better news, um, there are three new Lankmar offerings by Pinnacle, the uh, our uh, Savage Worlds friends, right? They've got City of Thieves, they've got a Nuon poster map, which is the world of Lankmar, an actual Lankmar poster map as well. Uh, these are, I've got the link in the show notes to drive through RPG, so that's out there. I'm not a Savage Worlds guy, I said it before, but I love me some Fafford and the Grey Mauser. So, Pinnacle puts out some really kick-ass setting books. I mean, this is the key with uh, GURPS. I mean, S. John Ross did GURPS Russia many years back, um, and it's a solid book. I mean, you pick up a number of different GURPS setting books, a GURPS Voodoo or whatever, whatever the case is. They've got great data in it. I mean, it's really good stuff you can mine and pull out for other things. So even if I don't run uh, uh, Fafford the Great Mouser-style Lockmar with Savage Worlds, I'm sure there's going to be great data in there for me to mine and pull somewhere else. So I'm I'm probably going to have to run out there and snag those. Because as I've said before, that hits all the right nerd buttons for me. So I'm going to have to get me some. So is it Lankmar? Sean, your turn. Is it Lankmar or Lankmar? I've heard both. I've heard Lankmar and Lankmar. I kind of vacillate between the two myself. All right. Fair enough. All right. Here we go. Nexus Game Fair Milwaukee, June 25th to the 28th. Event registration begins May 17th. A link to their website will be in the show notes. I know some of the folks that are running this thing. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to it. But if you are in the Midwest or, I don't know, anywhere in the world and find your way to the Midwest for Nexus Game Fair, by all means, check them out um, in Milwaukee. Number two. Cool. Number two, we've mentioned this before, but since it's getting closer, I just bring it up again. Forge Midwest, April 24th to the 26th. In here, Madison, Mad City, capital of Wisconsin. So you know Madison because if you had to remember all your capitals going through junior high, you know that's the capital city of Wisconsin. Forge Midwest. So Forge Midwest, a lot of indie games. What's the Forge, man? That's that's it's the Forge. Kind of the, it, it the is birth de- of indie online, if you will. It is derived from the Forge, and Ron Edwards has been to Forge Midwest along with many other uh, indie, indie, independently published game authors, publishers, designers, developers. Um, there is it's free, free o charge, no registration. Show up, play, do it. Link in the show notes. Check it out. All right. Uh, so here is kind of what I uh, got into during the show a little bit. I touched on, hey, I'll talk about in the die roll. So again, 
I don't plug a lot of podcasts, but this one's a good one. One Shot Podcast. One Shot's pretty good. And uh, what what will probably end up happening is I'll promote enough podcasts where you'll be like, I'll listen to Sean recommend podcasts, and then I won't listen to Gaming and BS, and we'll lose all uh, our I listeners. warned you. I warned you that would happen. Yeah. So Brad is like, dude, quit pimping other people's podcasts, man. They're going to stop listening to us. And I say, well, they're just better than us. Well, that doesn't take much some days. <laughs> <laughs> set the bar. We set the bar low enough. Right around our ankles. Yeah, it's easier to walk over that way. That's right. One Shot Podcast, though, different format. That's my argument. They, I, I went to them, and I listened to one of the hosts, and he did Dave. Uh, Dave's name, last name escapes me, but he did an indie, indie like a solo show on role-playing games. And he's part of a comedy troupe, Peaches and Hoss. Peaches and Hot Sauce is the network. So they have like three different shows there. And one of them's the One Shot Podcast. And they, I went there because they actually did a three-part series on Night's Black Agents with Ken, oh. Ken Height running the game. Well, so I will forgive you. I, will, I now forgive you for this one. So for those living uh, that are listening to us to be enlightened. Ken Height actually authored Trail of Cthulhu as well as Night's Black Agents. Uh, he is a he lives in Chicago. He's on Ken and Robin uh, and he's a big historian and he he runs they're both those he's a Pelgrim Press author guy. That's where yep. those two games come Works from. Yep. And those are gumshoe systems, but I wanted to listen to see how he'd run the game. And they did a three-part series, and it was recorded right around when the Dracula dossier Kickstarter was actually launched. So it's a few months ago in 2014, and it was interesting. However, they also did a three-parter of Edge of the Empire, which I thought was hilarious. So I have to recommend this for anyone running Edge of the Empire, or uh, if you're a Star Wars fan and are considering role-playing games, they, they were funny, entertaining. It was recorded and done well. Um, the GM uh, knew their stuff, and it was good. Uh, you just ha- I won't give spoilers away, but listen to that. Wayne Humphleet, if you're listening, if you haven't checked that out, by all means do so. I was very entertained. Moving on. Uh, so this I want to just, I know we've kind of touched on some of you, but I think it goes um, with a, I really want to emphasize that you, the listener, the fans of the show, you know, Brett and I sit here and talk and we could talk and nobody could hear it. And I just want to acknowledge the folks that are friends of the show. So if you go to gamingnbs.com, um, along the menu at the top, there's friends of the show. And I list people that kind of interact with us, leave feedback uh, or what have you. Now, if I missed you and you're not listed, by all means, let me know and I'll put you on there. That's the reason. That's the reason for the guest book is because you could list yourself there, um, and you don't need me to put you on the friends of the show list. Uh, and hopefully, I haven't missed you. If I have, by all means, email us at gamingandbs at gmail However, the ones that left us uh, reviews on iTunes. Now, this is American iTunes because I know that our boy uh, Bo Tusino. If you got to flip it to Canada to see his review, but I know he's left one. So, Mo, thank you. Here are the following that's la- left us iTunes reviews. Zave70, Kev Thulu, Walla151, KL Kiesler, The Hussman, 
Mumblebeats, Nursing Student Roger, and Joe Swick. And we know some of those verbatim by name, um, and some of you will recognize some of those names um, when you listen to the show. Thank you so much. If you want to be named on the show, do us a favor. Go to iTunes, leave us a review. It can be a one star. Hell, I don't. You can't even do a half star. But <laughs> if we suck that bad, just go for it. I, we don't care. You don't even <laughs> no. have to. You don't even actually. When you go to iTunes, you do not have to leave uh, leave a comment. Just star, one star, yeah. two star, three star. Just do that. The coolest thing that's come to me from the whole podcasting thing with Sean has been the interaction with folks like you know, Keesler and Wayne Humphrey and so forth, and Motusino. Just seeing other people's opinions and reactions to stuff that Sean and I just have BSed about over the years. You know, we, we worked together for a number of years now talking about different things. We're like, wonder what somebody else thinks about this. And so, I mean, it's not just for, honestly, it's not just for Sean and I to, to bullshit and try to figure out what we think about this. Like today's topic, you know, what's not happening? Why, why am I not doing something? I dead serious want to see or hear what you guys have to say. I'm curious about it. And I've changed a couple different things about how I approach stuff based on what I've heard from folks. It's it's good stuff. I like hearing it. It's a great community. So thank you all for being part of it. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. And from the bottom of our heart, uh, applause goes out to you. So thanks for supporting the show any which way you can. Uh, much appreciated. Um, if you'd like to hear us talk about a topic or you you know want to you know drop us a line via voicemail, it's, uh, I forgot the damn area code. It's like 929-BIG-DICE. That's what it is, 929-BIG-DICE. There you go. Well and, done, sir. Or you can email gamingandbs at gmail.com. Follow hit us. us on, yeah, hit us on the Google Plus community. Hit us up on uh, Facebook. You know, Tell us what you think. Hit us with a, hey, I want to know what you think about X, and we'll be happy to go into it. I yeah. think it's, it's great to hear that stuff. The Twitter. We're just two guys that you would normally talk about gaming crap with at your bar or park bench or where game store just, we would do our best not to tell you about our you know quarter drow quarter diadant quarter thrykeen ninja master demon king we're not that guy don't let don't let brett fool you he's that guy i <laughs> don't oh, like i got that i played this one halfling dude he's really cool one day that's super cool it's really awesome <laughs> so that's episode 32 of Gaming and BS. Thank you again for tuning in. So much, uh, so much. Uh, I'm speechless, man. I'm just I'm totally stumbling speechless. over my words. Thanks for the support. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Thanks. Good night. Good game and all. Bye.